people in my dreams, in my childhood, with your empty words. Until you do it, I'm the boss. And Epstein didn't kill himself. You know, it's funny, sometimes American journalists talk about how bad a country is because people are lining up for food. That's a good thing. In other countries, people don't line up for food. The rich get the food and the poor starve to death. It's the economy, stupid. And high cheekbones, like all of the Indians do. These cuts are blood money. People will die. Either you are with us or you are with the terrorists. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Please clap. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tread on Me. Got a special episode today. All three admins. We added a new admin, admin Chris. Uh, he's better spoken, better written. He definitely argues not drunk with you guys like me. And all around, we just enjoy him on the page. So welcome to the uh, the episode, Chris. Welcome, man. It's good to have you. Yeah, it's good to be here. So Chris hit us up about doing something on anarchy and religion. Um which me and Jake haven't really covered religion yet. I think we've stayed away from religion and abortion just because our, all you all you crazy people out there are way too sensitive about the two topics of a rational discussion. But since we're not live streaming it, we can talk however we want and just hide, turn off the comments and hide peacefully. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess, um, Chris, uh, you have some questions about it. So religion, anarchy, I guess where do you want to start? What, were, what was your thoughts behind doing something like this with me and Jake? Right, so... I guess there's two ways to go about it. Do you want to start with, like, the, like why we, what, like, what your opinions are about religion, what your beliefs are about it, and then we'll kind of delve into how it relates into anarchy. Yeah, that's good. Um, Jake, start with you because I really I have no idea what you believe anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know what I believe either. So that that's already a given. I don't know what I I'm I'm over here, Mr. Wizard Man, smoking my pipe, thinking the aliens did everything, but. I mean, if we're just talking about anarchy, as in no rulers, then I believe that. I think I talked to Chris about this before, yeah. just a little bit. Um, but I just have a hard time putting myself into any camp because you're always dragged into the mud with everyone. You can't you can't say that you're a Christian unless you a- agree to certain Christian values. Um, but it, to, for me, like with religion and like my politics. No rulers. That's that's all I can say. I don't I can't I don't have any more for you other than that, Sam. But you don't want to jump in and say you're an atheist. I don't think I'm an atheist. I, I'm oh, that's not... good because I was gonna call your mother after this episode. So Jake <laughs> recorded that he is an atheist on live TV. <laughs> I don't think I'm an atheist. I wouldn't I wouldn't stretch it that far because who's to say there isn't? Maybe I guess they say the Enlightenment disproved God, but. Who's to say that, you know, Jesus or maybe he was, I, I don't know, man. I can't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really want to speculate because I just, I don't know. I don't have any answers for you. All right. How about you, Chris? What's, uh, what's your religious background or current beliefs? All right. So I'll just go, I'll just go on a little monologue if that's okay. Yeah, go for it. <clears throat> All right. So basically the last time I was on, I, argue that I was a mutualist, which I feel like I'm in between left and right politics, where I try to see the under, like, I try to understand the perspective of both sides, right? So I would say with religion, I wouldn't say I'm an atheist, and I wouldn't say I'm religious, but I'm somewhere in the middle, like, probably, like, if you wanted to put a term for it, say, like, a deist, where I think, yeah, at the end of the day, some intelligent force created the universe, 
but whether it's someone intentionally wanting people to worship it or not, I think like I'm in between there. Okay. And for the listeners out there, I am a Christian. I still identify that way, but you won't ever find me at church every Sunday singing hymns and Bible thumping, trying to save your soul. It's very personal to me. I keep it there. I'm an anarchist too when it comes to politics, so I really don't care. As long as you're not using the state to enforce your religious beliefs on me, and as long as I believe what I believe, and I don't use the state to enforce my religious beliefs on you, I mean, I don't really care how religion works from there. Believe what you want to believe. I just choose Christianity for my own personal reasons. But I think we talked a little bit about that, Chris. So you were wondering why I picked Christianity. Right. So, yeah, like before we delve into Christianity and anarchy itself, yeah, I am kind of curious. Like not to put you on the spot, but to put you on the spot, <laughs> what, ex- what exactly is it that you see about Christianity that you think is worth, like, what about it convinces you that this is the true, the truth, I guess? Well, I saw where Jake was going. I didn't want to go there. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, I mean, honestly, Christianity probably comes to me a bit brainwashed a little bit. I'll, I'll admit that. I mean, I was raising it much like Jake. I think we went to the same church for a long time, youth group. I mean, I didn't really know any other religion or things like that. But the older I got, you know, you, you always come to this thing of religion. I'm sure you guys will have, both of you have feedback on it. It's like, is it kind of like Jake was saying, is there a God out there? Like you were saying, is there a deity or other stuff? Like both of you seem to think or knowledge or some sort of intelligent life that had a role in the universe. I'm really comes down to, and I'm going to go on a monologue here for like five minutes. I'll let you guys tear me a new one each, if you think I'm wrong or point out flaws in this. But I'm in the same kind of boat as you, as both of you. There's something out there. So as a logical betting man, you know, what do you believe in? And there's this, I can't remember the name of the gambler, but he did this religious bet. Basically. Pascal's Wager? Yes, Pascal's Wager. So you're familiar with it. Are you familiar with it, Jake? I am not. So there's basically four squares. One is saying... God exists, God doesn't exist, do you believe in God or do you not believe in God? So if God exists and you believe in God, ultimate rewards. If God doesn't exist and you believe in him, nothing really happens, you just followed some moral code and you die and turn to dirt. If God doesn't exist and you don't believe in him, again, nothing happens. And if God, if I remember the fourth one, if I said the three, if God does exist and you don't believe in him, it's basically eternal punishment. So there's like this wager out there. And it makes, so three of the squares, your base, I mean, two of the squares dying, nothing happens. One square basically dying and having eternal punishment. The other square, you know, dying and getting ultimate rewards. So, I mean, it makes a lot of sense just to bet on it. And some people would say, well, why bet on religion? It's just this nonsense fairy tale and, and stuff like that. But I picked Christianity in part to answer your question, Chris. I do think the moral codes most, not fully aligned with anarchy, I think they most they best set up a society of non-aggression and treat your neighbor right, things like that. And I have heard some good good counter arguments basically saying, well, why Christianity? Why not any religion take Pascal's wager on it? And the interesting thing is that almost every religion, you find your way to heaven. Voodoo, Hinduism, you can screw up the first life, reincarnate, nirvana, etc., except two, Christianity and Muslim. Um, and yeah, and that those two religions. So and then in the nutshell of it, if you're a betting logical man on religion and you're like, well, I'll follow religion that has a decent moral code of success, you know, you know, Ten Commandments, don't cheat, steal, marry one woman, grow up, be a decent human being, you know, those traits carry over to success in modern society and set up a large part of Western culture, which I think tends to have a successful lifestyle for people. So I think it makes a lot of sense to follow 
that code. And if you're going to just bet and pass wager, wager as a whole, pick between Christianity and Muslims and pick one of the Allah or Jesus. And one of those two are your ultimate bet. Now that's my kind of five minute monologue on it. And I chose Christianity and that's kind of my overview. So if that makes sense or there's holes in it, I'll let you guys go at it. What do you think? What do you think? Can you give me like your definition of what Western culture is? Ooh, that's a good question. Let me just quick Google that while Chris goes to it. <laughs> I, just, I mean, I, I'm I, just, I guess because I, I want to know why that like Western culture is attractive. Like why, what makes that like the way to go? Well, I I'm, I'm not a theologian or historian, so I'm sure there's a lot of holes in my theory, but for my anecdotal, what's the word for it? Anecdotal, anecdotal evidence, I think. Whatever. Anecdotal? Yeah, that. <laughs> That's why I have Chris on the admin. <laughs> for my evidence life, I mean, I just see that the Western cultures from Europe to America, um, they had their rough years, the Catholicism and Protestants and the wars and everything. But as the state and church got more and more separated and the church wasn't married to the state and uh, they weren't in this gang together of just violence, and as, they, as they separated more and more, the Christian values seemed to come through. And they really set up a society that had limited government. It really encouraged non-aggression pack and all this other stuff. And for all its flaws, and it had flaws, I mean, you can get anything from witch burnings to, to all the atrocities the church has committed at an individual level. If you were pretty, I mean, I think it set up the foundation for the um, not only the American Revolution, but this limited government idea. It's idea of freedom and independence, and it's never been perfected. And I don't think it ever will be perfected. But I think uh, the value structure of Christianity got the closest of other religions to an anarchy and libertarian well, society what are, what are the value systems i guess maybe that's i, I i'm just trying to pick your brain so I oh, understand don't steal you're... don't murder don't commit adultery you know don't but there's, cheat, there are lie. other religions that have those values as well that's why i go back to pascal's wager they do but there's only two religions if you're going to believe there's some sort of deity and make a bet on it it's logical to bet on either christianity or um, the Muslim religion. Because <laughs> Why are the rest, we betting because on the, it, though? Why do we have to bet at it at all? No, you don't. It's just my, this is how my brain works. If I, I mean, as you're taking the grand scheme of things, like I said, to go back to Pascal's wager, if you don't believe in God, and there is a God, ultimate punishment. You know, if you don't believe in God, there's no God, nothing happens. You believe in God, there is no God, nothing happens. Believe in God, there is a God, ultimate reward. This is how a gambler came to this conclusion to believe in God. And from there, you have to decide which God you want to believe in, which makes the most sense. What do you think, Chris? What's on your mind? Hmm. Um. I don't know. I, I got nothing right now. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't expecting me to pull out the wager. It's over. The wager. Um. No. Huh? I guess I'll go on a mini rant. Um. So. <clears throat> I guess basically. Okay. So let's just start, uh, tackle the wager argument, right? So. I understand where you're coming from. It's like, basically. You don't want to just completely go straight towards nihilism where you have no belief in God because then like what is what are virtues, what are what are morals, like what 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 is because you're you're arguing for Western society, what you're basically saying is what is the glue that holds society together? Like if you didn't have these values, like you would have complete not anarchy, but you'd have complete chaos where just people didn't really care about each other and would just have complete destruction, right? So what is it that what is the moral glue that holds society together? And you're saying putting those beliefs into a, like some kind of systemic um, religion or some kind of something that gra- holds it together is what allows society to be moral and good, right? No, I of- wouldn't. So I think 
It's for some people, yes. I don't think you have to have Christian moral beliefs or other moral beliefs uh, from certain religions to make a good, good society or a good person. There's plenty of atheists that are a million times better than Christians, and you could pick a scenario anywhere. Um, I do think humanity tends to organize itself in these clans. From the beginning of time, humanity, it's uh, like as soon as you get grouped together, they form some sort of government or religion. They definitely need this structure and moral code. It's almost organized. I don't, and I've struggled with that. I've struggled with that from an individual or social level, like how much. What were you saying, Jake? Sorry. I'm sorry. Keep going. I didn't uh, I, to, I'm sorry for interrupting. Oh, man. yeah. And I don't and I can't I couldn't tell you, Chris, how much we truly need any sort of social moral code or government code to make society function. But I guess my argument from the wager for me personally, I've connected most of the Christianity moral code. It helps me whether it's irrational like double chaos, exactly a better human, or whether it's very rational, we'll find out when I'm dead. But I do think it helps align at least some certain things to shoot for. It does help me have some sort of path of understanding. Because to touch on your point of nihilism, I guess two, one, yeah, I don't want to fall into nihilism. I do think if I abandon a code, I'm maybe not mentally mature enough or spiritually mature enough to not fall into this depression of nihilism. So for me, Christianity is either a crutch or this this tool to help me be a functioning human being in life, however people want to view it. But uh, my second point about nihilism for let Jake goes, I really don't believe there's any true nihilist out there. And now I, and why I think that is because nihilists still wake up in the morning, still go to work, still tie their shoes, still have activities they enjoy. A true, true nihilist wouldn't exist on this planet. And not to sound too dark, they would just kill themselves. I yeah, mean, that's the, the, that's the, the same the, argument libertarians make. Maybe. Like, oh, there's no maybe. real... But, not, but nihilism here. is a whole idea, and I think there's partial nihilists, like there's no hope about like the government or being good or I've lost hope in this. But the fact that a nihilist wakes up every day shows me that there's something they believe in, have meaning, and hold enough, enough meaning to to see life going on. I think there's no such thing as a total nihilist, but nihilism but there's is never definitely anything a dangerous like thing. So- well, yeah, if you're speaking in exact terms, yeah. like when you're talking about human society and culture, there's it, it, you can't ever be exactly when it comes to well, that. Well, it helps to define the terms, though. I just said, okay, well, then define what a fucking a Republican is or a Democrat. Like, there's, oh, well, that's not what a Democrat or a Republican. <laughs> you, get, you could say the same thing for anybody. They're not a real nihilist. What do you mean? And you could no, say no. No, I'm I'm just attacking. I'm not. I'm attacking nihilism as a whole thing. I think nihilism. I think I just I just don't think there's. Yeah, you're right. I see where you're coming from. But I do think nihilism. I, I think I feel like people people talk about nihilism. They just think this is hopeless person that has no meaning in life. And I've never I've never met a self-proclaimed nihilist that really really totally believes that to heart because they their daily actions are just they they have so much meaning to their life and, and I think that's a positive thing. I think it's a positive thing. But um. That's kind of my quick take on nihilism. I don't think anybody has really bought into it, and which I think is a great thing. And uh, I, I think I use Christianity, like I said, whether it's a virtue to make me a better person or a crutch to keep me out of the depression of nihilism. It's just a personal choice I've made to kind of help me navigate life. I think a lot of cultures have embraced nihilism, though, and it wasn't that bad, like relatively speaking. Ooh, name one. Uh, Imperial Rome. Before or after it burned. <laughs> uh, well, that's relative to Rome and the culture, the whole history of them. Are you kidding me? It was the, you. It was probably one of the best times to ever live. Yeah, maybe. What's your thoughts on nihilism, Chris? Do you you could identify some as a nihilist, and hopefully none of my opinions on it have offended you. But no. So I don't know how to put it into good words, but I, I understand the sentiment you're making, and I'm 
I'm flaking on the name here. I'm really frustrated. There's an author, and I can't remember his name. I want to say he was either Russian or German. I don't know if it was Deutschgeffi, or I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Deutsch, I can't even say that. Deutschgeffi. I don't know. Sorry. Anyway. We know who you're talking about. <laughs> there was some like philosopher who ended up becoming like more of an anarchist Christian, but basically what he argued was that he did struggle with the existential crisis of nihilism. And he literally said, like, it's kind of like in the vein of um, Solomon in Ecclesiastes, right? Is that the right book? Where it's basically like, I have everything in the world. I have all these women. I have all this, I have all this wealth. I have everything that I want, but something's still missing. There's some existential dread that I have, right? And so what he said was that every day, he would struggle like even having a belt on him because he'd want to hang himself because he can't, he can't understand that there's more meaning to life than whatever this exists. All he could see was atheism and nihilism and no, no meaningful meaningfulness to it. And I, yeah, I I think that's a good definition of nihilism. It's about the spiritual side of it more. Can we keep going? Sorry. Yeah. So every day, like, even though he had thought like, and I might be saying this incorrectly and I really would like, I want to look this up later, but Basically, yeah, every day he'd like think about hanging himself, and this is a daily process, but he wouldn't be able to do it. Every day he would still continue to go on, and even though he felt um, the depression and meaninglessness in life, he still continued to go on anyway. And like I said, eventually he became a famous author, and he became more of like a Christian nihilist, and became very famous. Like, And so like, like what you're saying is that, yeah, even when you com- like completely believe in those nihilist principles, you have that bond biological desire to say hey no i can't actually end life because there's something pulling me to keep going and i'd be comfortable changing my definition of it a few minutes ago and saying i think you're i think you're right and jake i would say yes that is to me that's nihilism like that's it's it i think nihilism is the, the loss of hope and the existential crisis and the human condition of purpose so i think yeah that i would say nihilism so that, that would be a total nihilism for me and i think that's part of what christianity keeps me out of is falling into that trap. Like, there's still meaning, whether it's just biological programming not to kill yourself, or you just enjoy getting up to eat a burger or have sex or something like that. You know, the, I think the nihilist has meaning in other areas, but I think nihilism could be could be a total death of just lack of meaning in a grand scheme of things. Like I'm on a ball hurtling through space, and I am just a, alive for a fraction of time before I die. What's the point? <laughs> Do you um? Do you think that Christianity is what gives human humanity like morality then? No. Nope. you think? No. No, I just think it helps me personally. It's the more, I think the moral code most aligns with my personal experience, personal life, personal choices, political beliefs. Again, that's, that's not saying Christianity is anything close to what I would want out of a government or anarcho society. It has so many flaws in that regard. Yeah. But um, it just... It clicks with me the most, and I know it sounds crazy, but I just, I, whenever someone argues a lich with me, I just kind of go back to Pascal's wager, and I go, look, I don't care if you're a Mormon, uh, an Amish person, if you're Buddha, Hindu, I'm just gonna believe Christianity for myself. You can laugh at me for being ridiculous, but I'm just gonna take the, take the odds, because I like the wager aspect. If you take the <laughs> wager aspect and what religions get you to heaven, and what religions are you have to believe in this God or not believe in this God. There's a 50-50 bet on that upper right-hand corner of Pascal's Wager that I'm right with Christianity. And you know what? If I'm wrong, I'm turned to dirt like everybody else or I go to Muslim hell. <laughs> <laughs> Muslim hell. 
virgins, so. no virgins waiting for you in the afterlife. Uh, surprise, it's you, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to throw something out there. So, basically, the one of the points of anarchy is that, like, you know, whether we ever, whether society ever actually gets there or not, we want, like, the point of anarchy is, like, a very free, um, great society where everyone is just doing voluntary actions where there's uh, the littlest amount of chaos and destruction as possible. Mm -hmm. And so I think when you have a certain paradigm or belief system, like at the end of the day, it really does matter whether it actually improves your life or makes your life worse. So like, again, like just to throw this to Sam, um, to like, to acknowledge that there are some benefits to religion, like you're going to see, you'll see people that are addicted to drugs or addicted to, to whatever they have or have destructive lifestyles and they'll find religion and they'll have better lives. You're never going to see the nihilist who says like, or the person I found atheism and I found nihilism and everything got better. Right. <laughs> like, that is true. That's more to that, that a word I can't pronounce evidence anecdotal and no, screw it. Whatever. It's that evidence, <laughs> but no, no, you are right. I mean, I guess to kind of slowly transition this into government forms of religion, I've been reading um, Legal Systems Very Different Than Ours by David Friedman and anything from like the Anarcho Society of Iceland, which is actually surprisingly peaceful and worked really well. So I encourage people to look that up for an example of anarchy to even like he does like gypsy legal codes, the Amish legal code. And the Amish legal code is very religious heavy, but it's also very anarcho-capitalist. Like you can voluntarily kind of switch different clans or sects. I can't remember the actual Amish word or neighborhoods or churches. You can switch them if you don't like them. Um, you get banned from some. If you want a little bit more freedom, you could always become a Mennonite and stuff. So, but this very religious code that very much dominates the community, and no one's ever really heard of like this unrest, civil unrest in Amish communities, like these terrible times of people not being taken care of, and poverty and murder and rape and the gangs roaming the street that you would expect from a society that rules itself. But these people voluntarily signed up. Um, and because they do, I mean, when they start like 16 to 21, I think they can have like the option to leave, but there's a large attention rate where they voluntarily stay in these communities. And if they ever like don't like the laws of the community, they just swap for a different Amish clan or even like up to Mennonite. So it is interesting how some of these small religious communities that rule themselves do seem to live more in the anarcho-capitalist um, goals and mindset than we would we would consider um, state governments or what we would uh, or just a bunch of random farmers or me and Jake living in an anarchy society out in the wilderness, if that kind of makes sense. <laughs> What's your thoughts? Do we need religion for an anarchy society or anything like that? Or is it like, a, is a moral code, maybe not even religion, is a moral code needed for needed for this? Or how, how I guess, how to transition this to government? Because then we want to talk anarchy, Chris. So how do we transition, the, what, you're, what you were thinking about this, like religion to anarchy, how's it tied together? What's its role in government? I guess to put the ball back in your court. Right, so... Basically, like I said, like personally, I would consider myself a deist. So like I'm not I don't think any religions are true, um, but to relate it back to government and what um, what was said earlier is that technically anarchy means no rulers. Right. So I think w some of my issue with some religions and like just to, like not to you know throw anybody under the bus here, but like let's say Catholicism, I think is a very um hierarchical kind of religion where you have these like very strict rules about how you can and can't do things and so um catholicism is the worst <laughs> it's a pop culture religion i can't stand it 
I always just get so I chuckle every time I go into a Catholic church and they have all these idols of saints. But you hit on a point, Chris. I want to ask you and Jake. Anarchy is without leaders, the technical dictionary definition. Um, is that a possible society? Let's start with Jake. Cause I think Chris uh, talked a little bit. Jake, did you, can, can we even have an anarchy society? Anarchy do I society? Think, do yeah, I think without leaders, by the definition thing, is it even, is it even possible? Um, I don't know because does it because if it if it's a volunteer action like yeah I want somebody to be my leader how is that not anarchy like if I'm deciding I'd like this person to be the leader of the board or I'd like this I'm you know I'm investing money and I want this guy to be in charge of the money do you know what I mean like what yeah. if I'm volunteering that leadership and what in whatever context I want it to to be a yes. leader. Let me clarify the question more, because I'm more intrigued the anarcho-capitalist model. Is that the model of anarchy we should? Is that model the ideal anarchy model, or am I missing something there? Because to me, it makes the most sense. We I'll explain a little later later why. But anarcho-capitalism. What are your thoughts on it, Jake? And is that the anarchy model that's the, that's going to happen, or is there <laughs> another model I should know about? Uh, what do you mean by anar? What do you mean by that? I don't know what you mean when you're just saying the model. Anarcho-capitalism would be basically you buy in your own court systems, your own laws. A lot of the you could still have a lot of the laws in the book we books we have today, but you're basically purchasing them. That mm-hmm. laws up for purchase, so you pay subscriptions to certain police forces or courts, and those courts would have you know subscriptions to other courts. Or it's, it's this massive kind of thing, but basically you would still have very status societies. And, and counties and areas, but they may be more voluntary. Because let's say you wanted to live in an area where you think capital punishment should happen. Mm-hmm. You would sign up for your court to enforce capital punishment, or you might move to an area of capital punishment, and you might also be in the same area where weed is illegal, and someone else might move to a court where they don't want that enforced. And it's So it, it is definitely not an anarchy model in the sense we think about there's not leaders. It's more of a free market government. So if I, if I wanted to say, screw the United States government, I hate it, if I still want some benefits of government, I could purchase a subscription to the German government, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Or instead of Michigan government, I'm like, this is crazy. Gretchen Whitmore, I can't stand over governor, but purchase a subscription to the India, Indiana governor. And that's kind of how the Iceland society used to run, their anarcho-capitalist model. They would, you could, you could take, you truly owned your land or private property, but you could switch loyalties at any given time and fall under different clans. So it's a very anarcho-capitalist model, but that's being my rough description of it. Duh. What do you what do you think of that model? Is that I, well, the model I, we should pursue? <laughs> well, I don't know about little old me, but the thing is, is the problems I would only see, and I guess I don't understand a lot of the macroeconomics. <laughs> but um, would these like courts would they end up being coming like monopolies though? So if we lived in court jurisdictions. If that is that what you're saying, and we could subscribe to certain dirt jurisdictions of court systems, but how does that even work when you're overlapping? Is it over people? Like what do you I like? You would, how does you that would, even? How you would you sign. Even so let's say like I mean obviously the courts are private businesses, so in the police industries and um David Freeman and Ayn Rand, Ayn Rand, Ayn Rand, yeah, they both talk about it a lot. I'm not as big a fan as Rand as I am Freeman. I think Freeman does a better job of explaining it. But yeah, that's basically kind of it. And then people talk about the overlapping model being terrible, but they're private businesses. They want this to work out well. So if you sign up for court B and someone else signs up for court A and you have like a tort law disagreement and both courts rule in your favor, 
as part of the contract, there's probably going to be some sort of court C that both courts agree to. That court C will pick the ruling in case of a disagreement. So there's already because neither private business wants wants all the hassle work of constantly fighting each other. The police forces don't want to fight each other in the streets. I mean, you could read some of Friedman's work on it, and even Rothbard's work on it. Like, all the incentives are against violence in this situation and against all this chaos and wars with each other. So there'll be all throughout the private contracts, there'll be ways to kind of navigate that. But I don't want to spend like 30 minutes trying to explain yeah, it and yeah. break down. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, there, it's not a perfect system by any means. Mm-hmm. It, do I think oh, it's yeah. a lot better than the current one? Hell yeah. So I encourage people to check out anarcho-capitalism. I do, I become more and more convinced it is the only form of anarchy, quote unquote, that will ever be possible to take form in society. But um, yeah, that's my, that's my hot take on it. But the mute, yeah, you got any more info on that? Well, all I was going to say is, is um, if you have the choice to make it, like if you're able to make your own choices, you don't have to get coerced into anything. I feel that, you know, as you described it, I feel like that's pretty, sounds like a pretty solid move for us to do. But um, I don't know if it's actually realistic, though, to at the same time, like how do you get everybody on board to agree with this, you know what I mean, instead of keeping this current system. So how do you, do you know what I mean? Like, is yeah, there, like well, how do you even do happened. that? Would we have to go and start our own thing? Until we it, probably would. That's how Iceland started theirs. They had to, they all left to start their own thing. Well, who are you, what are your thoughts, Chris, on anarcho-capitalism compared to what we traditionally understand as anarchy? Right. Um, I don't know. So I'm going to go off on a separate tangent and I want to tie it back into religion right so all right so let's go back to like again so I don't uh, personally subscribe to Christianity but I do think um as like a movement in in humanity it had a lot of good points about it that made it um really uh really good for I can't think of words right now uh really good for the rest of humanity so let's look at right after Jesus died and you have this new religion forming about right with all these like, you know, good uh, moral principles that they're wanting to enact on the rest of humanity. So, like, I would I would argue that early Christianity had more of an anarcho-communist type of um, um, personality to it. So basically, like, if you look in the book of Acts in the Bible, you have all these um, people coming together you know, on their own choice, on their own volition, and they're giving up all their, all their wealth that they own, and they're putting it into a community pot. Right. And they're using that for different, you know, means, different things. And then separately, you have different people that like not not rulers so much, but you have overseers of the church. So they would pick an outstanding person who would go around to other churches or other communities to see how those communities are interacting with each other and making sure that, like, you know, those things are going on good and stuff like that. And so that's kind of the role you see as disciples. They don't. They're not like so much as rulers as they're telling other people what to do. They're using logic and reason and argumentation as to like, because you can even see that in the in the book of Acts itself. You see the apostles arguing with each other because they're trying to come to the correct conclusion, not to tell people what to do, but they're trying to come to a reasoned argumentation about how best to enact policies and new policies coming forth, right? And so I think I think that would be the best type of community where it's you still have everyone seeing like the different policies being argued over against, but you have these specific people that like, they're not rulers over you. Everything is consensual, 
but you see you have these you have these specific overseers that are kind of going out to different communities. Does that does that make sense what I'm saying here? Yes, my question on that, because you use the word anarcho communist and I've heard that a lot. What is it, like you said, there's different rulers, people, people volunteer, they give to the community pot, they take care of each other, they kind of try the best way, it's all voluntary. I know it's feisty with definitions, I'm just kind of curious your opinion on this. What's, if, if that's the anarcho-communist definition, and you can tell me it's not after I'm done with this ramble, but if that truly is, or that kind of idea, what really is different than that from anarcho-capitalism? Right, so... Again, so like me personally, I'm a mutualist. So like I'm not saying. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm not saying right you believe either. I know you mentioned right. the word though. So right. is there even a difference between those two terms, or is it just, or is, are people on the internet just too feisty when they say I'm an anarcho-capitalist, I'm an anarcho-communist, I'm an anarcho-libertarian, I'm an anarchist, you know, or is it just all anarchy and just voluntary? It's just voluntary decisions made by human beings, and that's what we're seeking for. And people are people just too feisty with their terms, or is there some sort of understanding we need to be aware of when we use anarcho-communist versus anarcho-capitalism and differences in those societies? Right. So like I said earlier, like that's that's what I like about mutualism is that like I feel like it is the good middle between the two po um, politics, because that's that's what I want to be about. And I feel like that's really what anarchy is about, is understanding both sides and everything being consensual. Right. So as long as everyone's agreeing to it, like whether it's putting all the all the money in the same pot together or, you know, putting all like letting some people have more money than others or, or what what have you, as long as it's all consensual, I don't see the issue with it. Like, and that's, that's real ag agorism right there. Yeah, but, see, so, I, I like the term agorism best. I think we should just right. get rid of all anarchy terms and just call it everything agorism and just relabel the whole movement. <laughs> right, but so specifically going back to religion. So, like, I feel like, like, in the book of Acts, right, I feel like early Christianity was heading more towards, and I think if you, even if you look at the um, arguments that Jesus made, right, so you have something where they have to pay a certain tax, and Jesus says the words, well, we should pay the tax just not to make offense, right? Like he's not saying that it's the right thing to do. He's just saying we don't want to uh, upset other people, kind of, kind of stuff like that. I think he was more about like convincing people through argumentation and reason. Go and make disciples in my name. Go and use argument and reason and and um, dialogue to convince people, not necessarily like an authority hierarchical dichotomy. Right. Now, it's been a long time since I've read the book of Acts in the New Testament, but I have read it a few times. Uh, what do you remember? Or maybe the Bible, I don't think the Bible covers this, but why did that system break down? I'm curious if it just broke down due to other just time or it just they figure out it's unsustainable to have this kind of like the um, okay, what was that problem? The problem with the greens or something? Is that it in the colonial America where everybody shared the same greens for the cows and all it turned out to be a disaster? I can't remember now. What's the problem with the comments? The comments? Something like that. Whatever, but uh, you know how? Why did, do you do you know why that system broke down? That kind of like trying to be, for lack of a term, anarcho-communism, or did it just kind of is it still alive, or did it break down just because people couldn't couldn't agree that other people were doing the best things with their money? Right. So here's my argument again. So basically, um, like I yeah again like just to reiterate again, <laughs> like I personally don't condone any religion. I don't think any of the religions are true, but as an anarchist, I don't have any issue with someone believing whatever they have whatever beliefs they have about reality as long as it's not going to hurt or harm other people what i think went wrong with early christianity is catholicism and what i think and what i think the issue with catholicism is is literally the hybrid of hierarchies you have um roman emperors finding christianity enticing but wanting to use that for political gains and then 
Um, and that's how you, that's the birth of Catholicism right there, is that you have the integration between belief systems and the state capitalizing on those beliefs, mandating, oh, this is real, because this is really, you have governments where the first people to say, this is real, this is what Christianity is, and this is what, this is, is what it isn't, right? And you're starting to see having councils, and if you, if you look at the early councils of Christianity, you have politicians getting involved with them and deciding what is and isn't allowed in the in the religion. And I think that's that's the main issue. Mm, I like that. And Jake's winding up because you perked about Catholics. And I think Jake's about to go on a five minute rant about the Catholic <laughs> Church. <laughs> no, I I don't know. Catholic Church, they're they're fun when you go to them. Lots of standing up, lots of sitting down. People Sometimes do down. <laughs> they give you they they flash weird gang signs. It's it's a it's a hoot and a holler there. I don't remember Jesus ever saying I had to do any of that, but but okay. It's in the I'll five just, books that are weren't included in your Bible. <laughs> That's interesting. No, I never thought of that before, but I think you might be right. It was at least from a religion standpoint uh, where I think religion is very dangerous is hit on Chris's point. It's the marriage of the church and the state. When you have that religious fervor and the, the head priest or Pope sit down or what could be, you know, it could be different religions too. Um, but they sit down with the, with the government and they team up for some noble goal and they say, I'll give you power and I'll give you all these believers, but I want you to advance this religious goal. And the leader says, well, okay, but I want to advance my political goals. I mean, I mean, how many crusades that lead us to? How many like bloody wars and how many how many wars in all history have been religious based? I mean, pretty, it's, it's got to be I'm a sure fair that, amount. I'm pretty sure that I can't remember which pope it was, but he he decreed that if people went to on the crusades, one of the popes decreed that if they agreed to go on the crusades and they died, they'd automatically go to heaven. That's a fast ticket there. <laughs> I mean, I'd go. <laughs> I'm out here farming. And I hate yeah, well, my life. Mohammed one upped him. He said, "Yeah, heaven plus seventy-two virgins." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's that it's that marriage in church and state. And I don't think I don't think we've had it in quite some time. And I know me and Jake have harped on the more economic side of why there's world peace. And it's because the world trade has opened up, you know, and you don't want to fight people you trade with. And I think the economic factors of the world have a lot more to do with world peace than religion. But I'm not willing to rule out Chris's point that, like, we haven't really had, you know, leaders of the church sit down with government and say, this is evil, we should go on crusades, or we need to go to war because these are heathens. You can make some argument about all the Middle Eastern wars being like that, but um, I think that might play a role into why there's more world peace today. We don't have as much of a marriage of the military and the, and the church that we used to have. Right, and I think another issue that I want to kind of hit the point on, too, is that after the Enlightenment, and I don't know if that's exactly what, when it started happening, but around the Enlightenment time, you see we need to have the divorce of religion in the state, right? Because they're they're recognizing those problems that I kind of listed out. And I feel like one of the misunderstandings is that once you see the divorce of religion and the state, and I think we touched upon this in one of the posts um, a few days ago, is that I see status also as religious. Like I still see that as a religion, but now you have a like you have um, government, you have a religion that's divorced from any kind of like um, um, meaning outside of outside of the world. So like a kind of kind of like a humanistic nihilistic religion where there isn't any purpose outside of what we can do with ourselves. So I don't want to get like too much into it. But, but isn't I don't wanna, that I don't... the point of a bureaucracy? Right. 
That's but like, like okay, the whole so point it serves. I did see Trump's golden calf up the other day at the uh, CPAC. <laughs> <laughs> but so I don't want to go on too much of a scientific um, tangent here. And like, I'm, I might piss off some people, but basically, you know, like, let's just say whether or not any of these scientific things are true, like, let's look at coronavirus, right? Like, let's just look at that. Let, let's just, um, you know, humor me. Let's just look at this as this some kind of religion, basically, right? You have the government coming out, teaming up with science. And whether, like, again, whether these are true or not, you have people saying, you know, master, master what, um, you know, prevent the virus. You have social distancing prevent the virus. And you have business shutdowns prevent the virus. And again, whether these are true or not, if these are merely just beliefs that the government is wanting you to believe for merely their own benefit, right? Like you have, and again, you have massive societies and all these people agreeing to it. You like we have like in the last year we've seen people acting completely differently than they did a year ago or two years ago. And if that isn't religion, then what is? Oh, you can say that even about just politicians too, because they're they could be like motivated. They might have motivations of you know that are good. Like I think Governor Whitmer really believes that she's doing good for this state. I think she actually thinks she's saving the state and she's going to be have a statue built for her. You know that's what they're trying to they're going for. You know the the, the clout and the fame. It's very religious based. I mean, just think about the voting booths. You line up, you put your sticker as you brag about your signs in your front yard, your your homage, your politicians, like they're untouchables, they can do no wrong, how you just act like them. I've often joked, I think I'm serious now, but like the only true atheist is an anarchist. Because if you're not a if you're not an anarchist, you just worship the state. And I don't care if you say you don't. Your daily actions show me you do. <laughs> I mean, just every little bit you do, from how angry you get if you insult someone's politicians to how you you flat you fly your flag on the back of a car that's responsible for murdering murdering kids overseas and bombing brown kids or locking them up at the border or all these other excuses you have. It's just it's the worst religion. And, and yeah, we we're definitely as we get more scientific. And I'm not, I'm not knocking science at all. I think we should get more scientific as a, as a whole world and we need to pursue knowledge. But as we as we further divorce ourselves from old religions, um, whether you think their religions are right or not, and kind of we're, it's almost like from the old gods to the new gods, and the new god it's man itself as we get into the secular human humanity or humanism. Um, and it's it's I think it has its own flaws. And we and humans, I think all throughout history have showed they need something to believe in, some moral code, some higher power, someone to point at and get mad at if things go wrong and someone to think things go right. Because humans have a very hard time taking individual responsibility for their failures and they want mm-hmm. they want a stronger force than them, whether it's the spaghetti monster in the sky or your capital building. And as we've we slowly rejected the old gods, for lack of a better term. We've turned to the giant white bricks and, and Washington, D.C. and politicians, and they are our new idols. So a question I want to throw at both of you, and I don't care who answers first, but basically, right. So like I said, after around the Enlightenment era, we've seen the divorce between religion and the state, and now the state itself has just become its own secular humanistic religion. Do you think that was a beneficial thing for humanity or a negative impact? Like, do you think that has negative impacts? I'll let you go first, Jake. So you mean like the actual, the actual separation of the church and state? You think Right. It, since, since that time, do you think that's been a good thing or a bad thing? I, I do. And the thing is, is the reason why I think it's a good thing is because human beings, when we, we have to take leaps, right? 
it, we, we don't know how to run before we can crawl. So, like, if these people were deciding that maybe they're, 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 come, they're stumbling upon a problem, right? And they, they didn't have, like, the scientific method yet, right? They're just cu- thinking of all these, these things. And so the concept of anarchy or even, like, freedom and all this cool, great stuff that they are stumbling upon, it did, I think it did lead to greater and better things, like, up until this point, it's really great to live right now, and thanks to a lot of the things that came out of the Enlightenment era, but I know I'm kind of just rambling, but did did I kind of answer your question, or? I think it's hard to tell for me if it's better or worse, so I want to say, I'm going to go with it's it's better at the moment. It's only because of human perception. We remember old religions being clubs, pitchforks, burn witches at the stake, all this violence and other stuff, and not saying that it didn't happen. But we do live, like Jake says, in the, in the best time it's ever lived in society. I do think it's largely in part due to um, the Western world being unleashed economically and free markets and voluntary interactions were at uh, an all-time high. And so it makes it very hard to argue that the progress wasn't good because we're living in such a good time. But I think just as as we're tempted to believe this is better, I do think there's a fallout, whether it's the gods of Soviet Russia, you know, led to the massacres of millions or China's Mao or um, it was it was Cambodia, you know, all these things or even back to the ancient days of like, you know, religion where religious tribes murdered each other left and right. Eventually, there's going to be a fallout where so many people believe blindly in one God that they're going to have be fine using violence against people that don't believe in them. So it seems like it's better now. And like Jake says, I'm not saying like it, it won't be better after the fallout because we are advancing. We are taking those baby steps as we crawl through the dark, but it's going to be the biggest and every fallout gets bigger. So to say, I think this is going to be the biggest fallout when it does happen. It's going to be bigger than, than Mao's, China massacres and Soviet Russia, and that's I know it sounds like doomsday of me, but when was as we have this whole world, like you say, kind of believe that the state and whatever scientists say, as you give your example about coronavirus, as we see this blind faith and whatever comes out of the institutions, like it's not going to be hard. It's not. It's not even hard to imagine 25 years from now, us having the being lined up on a on a brick building for this recording and just. All the clients are like, well, it was fun. We shouldn't have said so much that 25 years ago. But the, I don't even, that's not even a stretch of the imagination to believe that I could lose my job for recording some of these episodes or things like that. And and who knows what else. And I, I think because so much of the world is buying into this system, this new secular humanism, a god of government, that when it does crumble, when they truly say we will not take opposers, it's it's going to be it's going to be devastating. So my only hope is the system collapses before they unify enough people to be willing to put the gun at opposers' heads, or we're fucked. <laughs> so I kind of want to throw something controversial out here because I like to do that, right? Um, so as a non-religious person, I want to make the argument that actually, like my personal beliefs, is that. I think since the separation of religion and the state, I think it's actually become worse. And, I, and okay, so well, I want to say two things. For one, I don't think separating religion and the state, I feel like that didn't make the state, I don't, I don't think that made people less religious. I think it made them more religious. Again, because me personally, I define status as super religious people, right? So when you divorce, when you divorce this concept that there's an almighty being that like we have to be good people to you know subscribe to 
when you divorce that and just say the only salvation is this politician or like believing this kind of um, um, side of government, I feel like that opens up to the to the worst things. And I think that's why we saw the 20th century. We saw the most deaths in the history of the universe, in the history of the world. And I think that's, that's literally because of the divorce of religion and the state. But you might be right. But they. But the thing is, is if you're talking like relative in relative terms, right? So there were t- plenty of massacres throughout human history. Tons of horrific things. Fake news. Armies. Fake news. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there, I mean, history is just littered with just bloodshed, right? I understand right. that, like World War II, was the most destructive and violent event in history. You know, but that's been happening regardless. I know. Right. I so know I'm not. Sorry, I don't want to cut you off. No, you're fine. You're fine. Go ahead, ma'am. Right. Okay. So what I'm not saying, like, again, so I'm non-religious. So I'm not saying that the religion in the state isn't bad. I think it was bad. But Mm -hmm. I'm saying once they divorced that, I'm saying it got worse. So, yeah, we can look at the we can look at, you know, the Crusades and religious wars. And I'm not saying they weren't bad. But if we're talking the percentage of the amount of deaths from the total population of humanity to the amount of people that died, we're seeing that skyrocket in the 20th century. We're seeing that happen. We're seeing more people dying um, nowadays than we are seeing back when it was just a religion in the state. I'd be interested in the per capita stuff like that, like per capita right, that's what, cost. Yeah. I've never looked that up before, so I might have to do some research and see if like how devastating the Crusades were and compared to like the Cambodia massacres. You know what I mean? Not the both are terrible atrocities, um, but it does seem like, and I, it's always hard too, like looking back at history and wondering really how bad it was because i don't even believe the news i read today so and you and you know the only people that wrote the news on back then were the winners and the kings and monarchs that won the wars so who knows man history could have been a bunch of roses and fairy tales and some king just wrote some story about how he conquered a whole land with two men and wiped out hundreds of thousands of women and children and we're like well it came from the mainstream medieval times so it must have been real <laughs> <laughs> and that's my tinfoil hat for the night. I'll get back on the real train. <laughs> no, but like, okay, so to to hark on that, like, okay, this is just me. This is just me remembering my history teachers back in college. But like, there were issues with, okay, so we'll have history books of two different nations, both arguing that they won a war, right? But like, how could that be possible? Obviously, only one person can win a war. So yeah, I like I agree with Sam. Like we know this, like this is true, that there are um um contradictions between like historical notes, right? Yeah. So how can you even trust the numbers about how many people died in a war when both sides are trying to argue, oh I killed more of their members, no, I killed more of their members? Like maybe it really wasn't that much. That hasn't changed, man. To... We still claim we won the Vietnam War. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just it's a parallel. you know, I, I was I do hope that God is real, that heaven is real, because the first thing I want to do is get to heaven is just like, hey, well, let's, let's review history. Let's see what really happened. <laughs> like, let's, how much of this was just some few politicians and uh, religious leaders in a, in a building just, just literally pulling out all like puppet strings, and we were just all running around worshiping them blindly and willing to do so much violence and destruction on their behalf. It's just, it's, and maybe that goes back to the human condition. It's just like we're trying to find we're trying to find meaning in this existential crisis. How do we solve it? And it, it's easier to find meaning if you if you point something bigger than yourself. Like humans want to be a part of bigger something bigger than themselves. That's my only argument I've ever liked. I'm not saying I want government. But it's the only argument I've ever liked about government 
like every time human beings get together and arrange themselves, they always create some sort of governmental structure. It's it's almost I mean, name a time in history humans haven't gathered together and created some form of government. It's the only argument for government. Pirates. Yeah, they even had their own government. The whole law uh-huh. system, man. Uh, well, no. They uh, did. They uh-huh. did. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I just read some chapters on it. I just read some chapters. They had their whole their whole code. They had their leaders, certain rules, and everything. No, it was a very much Who more was this? anarchy. Pirates. Oh, pirates. But it was a very much. It was much more of an anarchy society. But I mean, there were some things like you didn't have full voluntarily control over a lot some of your actions, and there was well, definitely was a strict code. I would like to compare notes. Okay, so from what I've read about pirates is that while they did have a captain. Basically, his only function was for wartime. So, like, when they were actually at sea and they're about to attack another ship, that is when they would just give him, like, you know, wartime control. But other than that, they it was complete democracy. If they wanted to go wherever they wanted to go, it had to be a 100% unanimous from all the crew members deciding, yeah, let's go raid this person or let's go to that island. But so Pirate, is if I recall, signing a dictator. That's no, the same I, thing that happened. Yeah. No, I don't if I recall, too, they had a quartermaster, though. For the, so he was in charge of everything until wartime moves and the captain. But he was elected democratically, you know. But we basically still kind of described sort of a government. I mean, they elect this. if I remember correctly, there's a quartermaster or some term like that where they do elect. Like, they, you need to be elected to this position. And you made a lot of the, like, you were kind of the judge in the legislative body, so to say. Until war came, until you attacked a ship and the captain ultimate power. But there were still a lot of rules. I mean, it was a little bit communist. Everybody had to put toward the common pot. You know, so they had, even had liability insurance. You know, someone gets hurt, you get paid out of the pot, but you can't break certain rules. Or, you know, it was it was definitely a form of government. Maybe you can argue it was limited. Maybe you can argue it was a dictatorship. But it's human beings arranging themselves in a group. And they chose to. I mean, it was voluntary to get in. But once you're in... I mean, it wasn't always voluntary to get out. <laughs> I mean, uh, but I mean, I don't know. I don't think there's been a society, an example of society where humans come together, and it, or we haven't evolved enough as a species to be able to come together and say, hey, we're just gonna trade like agorists or anarchy people, and we're not gonna form a government to oversee everything. You know, maybe, maybe we do need. Maybe like Jake said, maybe we're still crawling through the dark, and we do need. We do need to worship the state for a few hundred years and have a massive fallout for enough humans to wake up and be like, oh, <laughs> this was a shitty idea. <laughs> I don't know. Don't become a pirate, Jake. <laughs> I'm already a pirate. Arg. <laughs> but you could be right. My pirate history is very small. <laughs> I just read a chapter about the legal code. That's about it. So I'm going to pretend like I know what's going on. <laughs> oh, any more thoughts from either of you two on religion and anarchy? I don't have any. No, I've got nothing going on right now in my mind. So. Oh, man. Look at I'm that. Thinking. Wow. We are spot on. We're like 55 minutes every week, and then we both... We always look at each other and go, I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, if no one's got anything else to say, uh, continue to follow us on Facebook. Three admins now, like I said at the beginning. Chris is great, so definitely argue with him on Facebook. He's definitely more active than me these days. Um, and Jake's still there, you know. Just He shouts in whatever gibberish he speaks. <laughs> yeah, I try. 
Yeah, also email us any questions at try to make podcast at gmail.com. We're also on Minds, Twitter, Instagram. I really stopped using that parlor tool. You know, we're on Patreon too, but none of you suckers want to give us money for free, which is really hurtful. So until next time, everybody have a good day. Yeah. <laughs>